Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host as always. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know of a few things of note. First, you may or may not be aware that I host another podcast called The Third Seat. The Third Seat is unrelated to the podcast you are listening to right now, but if you'd like to check it out, then I will put a link in the description of today's episode that you can use to listen to it. If you like this podcast, then I really think you will like The Third Seat as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Next, I want to let you know of a few ways you can support the podcast. First, be sure to tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is not only a great way to help support the show, but it's also zero cost. Secondly, if you enjoyed today's episode, then be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways of not only supporting the show, but it also gives me direct feedback from you regarding how you feel about the show overall. I greatly appreciate if you decide to take the time to support the show in any of these ways. Finally, if you'd like to follow me or the show on social media, then feel free to check out the description of today's episode. Here you will find all affiliated and mentioned links, as well as how you can support the show online. As always, I want to thank you for tuning into and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum. I will be your host for this episode as always. And I'm really excited for uh, today's episode. I was briefly talking with my guests before we started this episode, and I, I could be wrong, but I believe that this is the uh, a first for the show. This is the first episode where I've had the privilege of speaking with someone who is a musician. They they uh, have produced a album and currently have an album coming up soon. And so I'm really excited to uh, speak with my guest today. My guest is uh, my guest today is Ethan Satiwan. I believe I said that correctly. Uh, and I am really excited to speak with him today. He's an, he seems like an awesome guy and someone who is very talented from the work I have gotten to listen to so far. So Ethan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. So uh, if you don't mind, just give a little bit of background about yourself. Obviously, uh, you know, if I haven't mentioned it yet, but you do primarily uh, mandolin style bluegrass music, uh, but obviously there's more to it than just you playing a mandolin. So uh, just give a little bit of background about you, uh, who you are, what you do and how you kind of got to where you are today, if you don't mind. Yeah, totally. I am a mandolinist, like Daniel said, and um, I live in Maine. I play with several bands, one called Corner House and one called The Acoustic Nomads. Those are my two kind of main touring projects. Um, but a big thing that I've been working on for the past couple years is a new record of tunes of mine, tunes that I wrote and then played with a, a great band of folks up here in Maine, actually. We recorded it here just down the road from my house. And... Yeah, that's kind of my wheelhouse. Just got home from a, a run of shows with my band. And um, you're catching me between a, uh, another run going back out on Thursday for a couple more shows over the weekend. Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my deal. I, I run around and play mandolin and I do a lot of recording work and, and teach quite a bit too. So yeah, kind of a whole bag of things to make up the the uh, the world that I live in. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. How long have you been? How long have you been playing mandolin? I guess I'll say professionally, but just also in totality. Like, when would you first pick it up, and and what about it really struck you as like, oh, this is? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different instruments, and from what I when I read kind of before this, you uh, dabbled in different instruments leading up to you playing the mandolin. But what? How long did you play? Have you been playing the mandolin, and what about it specifically were you attracted towards? I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. 
I started playing mandolin when I was 13. I, I first picked it up then. Um, I played cello before that. Mm-hmm. And I like playing the cello. I still play a little bit and teach every once in a while. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of funny. I um, I wanted to play something that had frets. I was interested in, in mm-hmm. folk music uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. I was kind of curious about American folk music and sort of the Celtic British Isles folk music as well. Um, so that was kind of the impetus to get into something with frets that you play with a pick. Mm-hmm. And I played some guitar and I played some banjo and some mountain dulcimer, some ukulele, kind of all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. Um, but mandolin is kind of the one that stuck in sort of my, my journey to playing it professionally started out, you know, I was just really interested in learning tunes and, and going to old time jams, um, going and learning tunes by ear practicing them over the week, coming back the next for the next jam session and playing the tunes again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess around the time that I was 16 or 17, I started to, to play gigs, play mm-hmm. dances or go and travel for shows or whatever yeah. it was. Um, and then I went to school out here in the Northeast in Boston at the Berkeley College of Music. I went there for a degree and and kind of stayed out here moved up north to maine a couple years ago and and i've been here playing and working and and hanging out so you've been playing since you were like in your teens easily like is that when you said you did you had your first gig when you were like 16 or 17 yeah yeah i wonder when that first gig was it was probably (laughs) it was probably a dance um there's a contra dance in goshen in indiana where i grew up and i played that pretty early on with with some friends and sort of some some teacher mentor figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know when the first gig was. That's a good question. Actually. Do you, do you remember anything from that first? Gig? Like, do you, I mean, obviously that's many years back, but for, so for me, I currently, I don't play any musical instruments. I tried to learn to play the guitar whenever I was younger. Um, I, I forget how long I practiced, but I had a guy try to, you know, he gave me lessons and uh, back in, you know, back when I played, I would tell you the reason why I wasn't great at it was because my, my hands were too big. That's what I always said. Uh, but the reality is I just didn't practice it enough. Uh, that was the reality, but I could play Hotel California. That was the one song like I could play the beginning of it. I'm sure there's a lot of people that could play it. I was very, I was very proud of my, my ability to play Hotel California and I'll, I will never forget playing it the first time in my little hometown. There's this little event that goes on every fall. It's called Pumpkin Town. And I played it then. And I still remember being up there playing the beginning of it. And I was like, I am just at, at that moment. I was like, this is the this is the best. Like I am. I am the center of of this tiny little event right now. But it just felt awesome. And so I God, that's been who knows how long ago. But do you remember your first time like ever stepping up on a stage or kind of being in front of a crowd, whether it's large or small and having the spotlight on you like that? And what was it like for you? Yeah, actually, now that you say that I do, I kind of remember a time like that. I, I, um, I worked at my library, my local library. Uh-huh. I, I shelved books and, and I, and there was sort of this, um, committee of like teenagers that they mm-hmm. talked to and, and kind of were, were part of sort of a sounding board for, for events at the library. Um, I, I am a, a big nerd, obviously. And, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. As as I'm so, getting older, as I'm getting older, I think that in a lot of ways the nerds kind of have it figured out. You know, if, if whenever I was younger, I would I don't know if I would have if I would have had, had admitted that, but as I'm getting older, I definitely find that to be more true. So no shame in that at all. Totally. No, we had a good time. We had we had a great time. But you know, what was the event? We put on some kind of event for for like youth at the library. So and maybe it was sort of like 
Halloween or fall themed. It was mm-hmm. in the fall, I think. So there were it was kind of like dark, and mm-hmm. there were decorations and such. And mm-hmm. I did music. I did music with this guy who played guitar. Yeah, and uh, and that felt like it felt really good. It felt like sort of a real gig, you know. Yeah. And so we went, and we kind of had a little set worked up, and and went and played, and yeah, it's really fun, really fun memory. So now that you're now that you're you know however many years removed from that experience, one, did you ever see yourself like? I mean, you just said you got back from you know kind of playing around some different shows, and I don't know how far out you traveled and and how you know big of a like an expansive uh, you know I guess I'll say tour you're planning on going on, but did you ever imagine yourself kind of being in the point now where making music and using the mandolin and and the way you like this thing that you fell in love with at such a young age? That it was something that you could not only continue to do, but make a large part of who you are and like do this professionally, like on stages in front of crowds and making albums for people to hear and selling it and have it, you know, like with all the kind of bells and whistles that come with this industry. Did you ever see your like, did you ever realistically see yourself being in this position at all? It, I mean, it was definitely always the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always, always the goal. And it is definitely really encouraging to see it working mm-hmm. out. I mean, it's still. I still don't make a ton of money, you know, it's still, it's still kind of a, a bit of a grind, but yeah, I just got back from a really fun weekend out in New York state. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really, it's been really busy, which is also a sign that it's working, you know, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. it's been kind of exhaustingly busy. This is, I just got back from my seventh of eight weekends away from home in a row. Wow. And, but you know, that does mean something's working, which is really encouraging yeah. and really heartwarming to see. Yeah. You, you know, you bring up something interesting that I, I was looking forward to asking you about. I did an interview a couple weeks ago. I don't know, you know, when, by the time this comes out, when exactly that will be, but, um, and then, uh, for most of my life, like I told you that you know, I played guitar when I grew up, but I was never a conventionally artistic or creative person. I was no, I remember I had a friend going up that you could give him a piece of paper and be like, Hey, I want you to draw this thing. And he could just like in 10 minutes, draw anything in great, like in, in great detail. And I never, I was like, I don't understand how you can do that. I never was a, like the most artistic traditional person. I didn't paint or really, I took art class in high school, but I just kind of, you know, followed directions. Like it wasn't anything spectacular. And so this like this show right now is kind of the, the first time I've ever really created something for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I've had an idea for something, had a vision for it and have executed on it and turned it into a real tangible thing. And um, with that in mind, I was I recently read a book. Do you know do you know who Rick Rubin is? Yeah, I, I, that's familiar. You have to remind me who who exactly. So he, he if you look him up, uh, he he looks like a like a wizard. He has a big old white yeah. white beard, long white hair. But he founded Def Jam Records back in the I don't even know what decade. Uh, but he's been working the music industry for a long, long time. He's helped produce a lot of really famous albums by a lot of different genres, like a lot of different artists and genres. But anyways, I say that to say he's been working in music in a, for a long time, and he recently wrote a book, and it was all about just his experience over the years and different takeaways he's had and something about it that really struck me at at least at this point in my life. And I feel like you, you might uh, have a a, a similar feeling is that I think a lot of times if you're looking at any kind of creative endeavor, whether it be making music like you're doing, or it's creating a show or you're making uh, you know, like a painting or anything, 
it can be hard to quantify. We, we can only view success or like you said, it working yeah. out, quote unquote, as, oh, is it making money or is it about to make money or is it paying the bills? And am I profiting from it monetarily speaking? And that yeah. is certainly one aspect of it. Like, I'm not going to act like money isn't an aspect because we all have bills to pay. We all have food we need to eat and we all have a house that we need to have above our heads. But oh. he raised a really great point that you have to define what success looks like for you with whatever creative endeavor you're pursuing. Uh, you know, maybe you are a musical artist, maybe you're a painter, but if you're starting from scratch, making money may not necessarily be what a successful endeavor looks like. It may just be simply making the art. It may be going on and doing shows like you're doing. Uh, for me, like with this show, success for me right now is the fact that I get to do this and have these cool conversations with people like yourself, you know, across the, across the world. Like, this is awesome. So, you know, whether I make money on it or not right now, I don't really care. I get to do something really fun and put it out there for the world to hear. And so I say all of that to say at this point in your career and at this point in your life where you're going, you know, you're going out and you're playing shows, you're traveling, you're with your bandmates and you're, it's, it's really starting to kind of gain some traction. What for you does success and it working out look like for you? Obviously there's a financial aspect of it, but how do you look at what you're doing and where you are currently in your career and think I'm doing something correct. What I'm doing is working and it's, it currently is successfully working out for me. Does that, does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think about this a lot, you know, kind of, kind of the term music industry is sort of an oxymoron to me because mm -hmm. how do you, how do you make a business or an industry out of any art form? You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like cognitively dissonant to me, um, which is kind of a whole nother can of worms with how, how, you know, Hey, we got time. You can open it if you how. want to. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's big. I think about it a lot, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously nice to make money. We all have to make money uh, at some point. But um, we've had a bunch of really nice shows recently um, where there's a couple things happening. The band is really in a good place. Everyone's listening really attentively and everyone's, um, everyone's sort of, uh, you know, saying yes to what other people are saying on stage uh, musically which is a really fun place to be where we can all kind of take risks and step outside of our comfort zones and, and uh, really play the music. Um, and when that lines up with a really attentive, appreciative audience that is really into the music and, and, um, and, and listens attentively, listens to what's happening and, and uh, hopefully we bring some joy to them. That's, you know, that feels really good when that, mm -hmm. when that happens, that would be, you know, success in my book yeah. when we yeah. can really get there and i think that's an and i love that because i think that obviously i'm speaking from my own perspective and you know my lens of a creative success is different from everybody else's but, but i think that if you can get to a point where you can define that success for yourself whatever whatever it is that you're doing whether you're making music or you know you're just what whatever thing it is that you're doing if you can define success for yourself and whatever it looks like it makes the act of doing it kind of the grind of it all very very it's much more uh it's much easier to go through uh you know for me mm -hmm. i started the, at least at least for me whenever i started the show you know like i was starting from scratch you know i i had people like that knew me on social media and stuff but i was by no means like famous or anything and i'm still very much not but um it was, I was starting from scratch and I knew that if my goal was to be the biggest host in the world or to make this X amount of dollars from the show, 
I probably was going to flame out because the reason why I'm doing this is not so I can become the biggest host or so I can become uh, filthy rich off the show. It's because I really enjoy having conversations with unique people. And if I get to do that and if people enjoy it and hear it and that's you know, if, if all those things happen, then in my mind, everything else will work out. Uh, obviously, right now I'm in a position where I have a day job, so I'm not like my my finances aren't hinged on this necessarily, but I'm in a position where if I can do that, that's a, that's a successful picture for me. And that makes going through the times where maybe an interview doesn't happen, maybe an interview doesn't go well, maybe you know a post uh, an episode I put out doesn't do as well as I'd hope. Whatever happens, it makes those days a lot easier to go through. And I think if you can define that for yourself, it makes the process of the creation of whether it be a show or an album or a song or a painting or whatever, it makes that process of creation so much easier and so much more joyful to go through. Um, that's been my experience, at least. And I I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about that since that since I read that book. And I probably heard other people say that before, but for whatever reason, when he wrote it in the book and, you know, a big man with a white beard and long white hair says it, I guess it means a little bit more to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of sort of the whole idea too, about, you know, there's no destination on the journey, right? Mm -hmm. We're all, we're, we're just on our individual journeys. And, mm -hmm. and that is the, that's the whole point, you know, just mm -hmm. kind of being on the journey and, and seeing where it takes you rather than having the end goal in mind, whatever. Yeah. That may be. Yeah. And speaking of, it's a, I always love a good, who doesn't love a good segue? Speaking of destinations and journeys, uh, you are about to come up upon a, I guess, a destination of sorts. Uh, you have a new album coming out. And so uh, for one, so the album is called Gambit. Is that correct? Yes. And when is it coming out? At least as, as the time of this recording. Yes. Coming out on March 31st of 2023. Nice. So right now at this very moment, how are you feeling just leading? I mean, there's still a couple more. Let's see, looking over my calendar, there's two or three weeks leading up until then. But how are you feeling about the album right now, just as you're coming up on the official release date of the album with a couple singles out? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Um, I'm really stoked about how the music turned out, mm -hmm. which is which is good, you know. <laughs> That's always a good thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm very excited just to have it out in the world and kind of, um, yeah. you know, again, journeys, uh, journeys are good. Um, and this album has had quite the long journey. We actually recorded it back in 2020. Wow. Um, wow. So it's kind of been kind of been sitting here. We took it was a pandemic uh, I mean, project. Pandemic project for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm busy. Yes. Yeah, so these these are all tunes that um, that I wrote that are sort of sectioned into this solo project. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't really tour as a solo artist all that mm -hmm. often I'm doing a couple shows um around mm -hmm. the album release and I think I'll do a couple more runs this year but um but most of my touring is with with bands with sort of individual mm -hmm. projects yeah so yeah you know just without all that stuff happening around me it's um it's been a little while to you know to get it get it out get it finished mixed and mastered and artwork and all the bits and bobs that you have to tie up to to put a record out in the world mm -hmm. so very excited to have it out and i think that it's had some good reception which is always nice to have people listen to the records and um yeah just very stoked to get it out in the world so now that you're Coming up on this destination, uh, kind of looking back at the journey of it so far, to use these words, have been tossing back and forth. What was your, you know, you said you started it back in 2020 or so. Um, looking back on the the journey you've taken to get to this point, 
What was your headspace like following the release and completion of your first album and then kind of journeying into this next endeavor of your second album? What was your headspace like going into this? Uh, just with a, a new project in mind and, and new ideas, what was it like for you going into this project? Totally. Um, so my first solo record, which is called Flux, came out, it was recorded in 2017, came out in 2018. And I really feel like I learned a lot from the making of that record. Um, it was the first record that I had, you know, put together completely on my own without, mm -hmm. without bandmates or mm -hmm. collaborators. So I wrote all the tunes. That's not true. There's one traditional tune. I wrote almost all the tunes, arranged them all, rehearsed the band, kind of produced the session in a big way. Um, didn't have another producer involved. So just, just us, just the band doing it, um, which was a huge learning experience in and of itself. But then there's all of the, all the, you know, publicity, marketing, trying to get some press, trying to, um, you know, get all the artwork, get everything together for print mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then that also culminated in playing a run of shows um, then. So it was kind of the, the launch of sort of, you know, trying to, to lead something, to, to mm -hmm. see a project from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Um, oversee it on my own um, and musically it really helped a lot I feel like writing tunes really crystallizes sort of your core musical vision it kind of forces you to put something down on paper and and say this is what I want to say musically mm -hmm. from a compositional standpoint yeah and it's one thing to play a solo I improvise a lot so all the solos in the records are improvised stuff like really? that. Um, yeah. Cool. So, but the, the tunes are not right. The tunes are composed. Yeah. 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 And so with improvising, you know, people say that improvising is composing sped up or vice versa, mm -hmm. um, which I think is true to large degree. But with that in mind, if you're composing a tune that's going to hang around for a long time, you think a lot about each, each note really. Mm -hmm. Um, and and to really try to focus sort of the essence of the tune mm -hmm. into into the melody into into the whatever you write down that yeah. is that makes up the tune mm -hmm. and then the really joyful part of that for me is you have this tune which is really fun it's really fun to write tunes as well i love doing that but you write the tunes and then you take some of your favorite musicians and say what do you want to do with this and, mm -hmm. and you hear what everybody wants to say over your tune which which is a really a really fun moment for me to hear everyone else's take on on what mm -hmm. I'm thinking about. Yeah. And um yeah, so definitely learned a lot. Definitely making a record is really helpful for making records in the future. <laughs> so so when you say like creating a tune is this for you it may be different each time. Is it does this process for you look like, you know, you're putting like in my mind, uh, again, I am no musician by any means, so I'm operating from a, a place of a lot of ignorance here. But if, no, it's if great. You're... It's really refreshing to kind of talk about this stuff with with uh, you know just in basic creative. <laughs> it's really it's yeah, really yeah. Uh, but like for you, is it whenever you're creating a song or you have an idea for an album or or, or an idea for a song or whatever it is, is it more like? uh kind of class in my mind like a classical structure like okay i'm gonna put this note here and then the, the note that follows this note is gonna be this note or is it more like 
a little bit freeform, I guess I'll say. Like, for instance, do you is your creation of your songs like you'll be walking out in the in the park or in the streets and you hear something, it reminds you of a chord and that chord makes you think of the different, you know, chord structure beyond that. Like what is what is the process of creating this like generally for you? Yeah, I think I use a bunch of different techniques, um, you know, including the two that you mentioned, basically, to kind of pull melodies out of out of the air or out of my brain. I've definitely heard, you know, been walking down the street and, you know, the subconscious is always working to with whatever you're thinking mm-hmm. about, whatever you're learning. And so I've, you're walking down the street and you hear a snippet of melody in your head and I mm-hmm. sing it in my phone and, and then go home and play it on the yeah. middle or whatever. Um, I do some exercises sometimes I try to like take a tune that I really like and, and sort of distill it down to Mm -hmm. the element that is really engaging to me and Mm -hmm. then try to write a tune involving that element. Mm -hmm. Um, I do things like that quite a bit. Sometimes I just sit down and improvise and record myself and, and maybe there's something that comes out of that, some Mm -hmm. kind of seed that I can take and develop from that improvisation. Um, yeah, you know, just kind of trying to find different ways to jog the brain to, to get creativity out of, out of myself. When you recorded, uh, Gambit, was it largely in like it, you said you're currently in Maine. Did it largely take place in like a studio where you're at or was it over different locations or was it, what was the actual like physical location like for you? Yeah, we recorded it at this studio called great north sound society which is actually just 20 minutes from my house um really great studio really fun to be at mm-hmm. um so let's see we had four days with kind of the core band there the core band is myself on mandolin and um this fiddle player daryl anger who also produced it mm-hmm. and my friend sam leslie playing guitar and my friend Brittany carlson playing bass and that's kind of the quartet that um provides the bedrock for most of the record mm-hmm. And we had different folks come in for a day throughout the course of the session to do for some tracks that involved more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so recorded 13 tracks, there are 13 tracks in the record and, and basically all of their foundations were recorded in that session. Mm-hmm. And I overdubbed a couple things, Daryl overdubbed some things. Um, we sent it to a couple other musicians to overdub on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of it was created, um, you know, kind of in the space of about a week Mm -hmm. at the studio. Yeah. So the reason why I bring that up is I was, uh, the other day I have, I was listening to an interview. Um, do you know who, do you know who Tame Impala is? The, the artist slash band. Okay. So Mm -hmm. Kevin Parker, the, 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 the joke of like, Oh, did you know Tame Impala was only one person? Uh, Kevin Parker, (laughs) the guy behind Tame Impala, he was doing an interview and it was around the time when his most recent album came out and the guy had asked him about kind of what uh what it was like for him during the recording process and he was talking about how you know a lot of times musicians will they'll go to places that are beautiful they'll go to these different locations to record their albums and he was talking about how it was either with his most recent album or one of his past albums when he recorded it he deliberately like recorded it and wrote it in like a shack in just like an empty room somewhere. And he said, the reason for that was, you know, if you're like by the beach that you can strum a guitar and just a couple notes and whatever you, whatever you play is going to be beautiful because you're by the beach and that in the company with the beach is great. But 
he wanted to challenge himself to make something that on its own, regardless of the circumstances where you were, it, uh, he, he felt like it was good and it was worthy of listening to. And I thought that was interesting thinking about like the actual, you know, the actual location, the physical geography of where you're at, how that may, uh, you know, manipulate and, and alter and change and inspire the music that you create. And so obviously you're up in Maine uh, and actually fun fact, I'll be going to Maine soon on vacation with my family to Acadia National Park. So I'm excited to, for the first time to be up there. I look forward to that. But from what I've seen and heard, it's a beautiful place and it just looks, you know, I don't know what part of Maine you're in, but uh, it it looks like an awesome place. And so to you, from what you can tell, how do you think just the physical location and the geography and the land around you and kind of the environment that you recorded and came up with these songs and, and, you know, uh, try different, different, different kinds of music. How do you think it impacted and influenced the sound that you ultimately uh, settled on and created with Gambit? Yeah, I think the environment influences at least my musical creation in a big way. I wrote a bunch of the tunes outside. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a bunch of the tunes That's cool. while on tour in California or on tour in Michigan. Those mm-hmm. are two that I can really think of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of on the flip side of that, a bunch of them are pandemic tunes are kind of mm-hmm. like spring 2020 tunes mm-hmm. where I was literally, you know, inside mm-hmm. for months. Yeah. Um, and obviously I had a lot of time to practice, which was really great. Um, <laughs> practice and write. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's um, it's definitely your environment, but you can create yourself an environment that mm-hmm. is inspiring kind of mm-hmm. regardless of locale. But that being said, being at the studio, Great North Sound, it's pretty out in the woods. It's quite far from large roads, stores, that kind of thing. And I was just telling somebody else this, that when you wake up at Great North Sound, you have only one task that day. Mm-hmm. You have a, you go and sit down in front of a microphone and play music. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Wi-Fi and, and you're not like completely disconnected from the outside world. Like, like some studios are, like some musicians like to be. Um, but it's it's such a great place just to go go and sit and and play music for for however long. Um, it it really there's something special about that place that really yeah creates an atmosphere where people can be creative and and open with themselves. So going into this album, did you have like a clear idea uh you know like once you once you finished uh you said what would you say that your first album was called flux was it flux okay mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason why i asked that i have a i don't know if you if you know the artist named wise blood uh she's one of my favorite artists she's really really oh, good okay. if you haven't heard her before uh w it's like eyes like the word eyes but with a w at the beginning great okay. vocalist she's really good check her out if you're listening if you ha- if you want to okay. but she's okay. going on tour and the the name of the tour is called the in holy flux tour and i just oh, yeah. like i could i couldn't get that out of my head and i was like i, I don't want to say it wrong but i just want to make sure it was correct yeah uh, anyways um, going into the cre- creation of this following flux, going into creation of Gambit, did you have like a clear idea of like, okay, I have this idea. I have a, you know, a 10 to 13 song structured album that I, I think I have a clear idea on. I'm going to write these down. I'm going to execute it and do it. Or was it more kind of 
loose and just going into the studio or just playing on your own and kind of just seeing what came out and what happened? Because I've heard just not, you know, one-on-one, but from different interviews I've seen with different artists, a lot of times people have a very clear idea of like, this is what has inspired me to this point, And this is what I want to create. And now I'm going to go into the studio and I'm going to make it. And it's going to be very technical by the numbers and we're going to make it. And then sometimes people just you know, like some of the most popular songs of all time will be written in like the back of a truck in 10 minutes and it'll be done. Like it just kind of comes out freely for you. What was this experience like creating Gambit? Was it more of a free loose experience or was it very calculated and uh, kind of by the numbers? Yeah. Um, a big part of this record was the idea to work with Daryl Anger, my producer. Mm-hmm. Um, Daryl is a great fiddle player and great writer and he played with David Grisman kind of back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of got, yeah, that's kind of his thing, um, you know, arranging and playing these weird string band tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's really special about Daryl is is kind of how he creates an environment where people are um, really just able to play freely and kind of be themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good at sort of bringing out the best in everybody, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of the whole, a big part of the idea of, of making this record was to work with Daryl. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really important to the record, but, um, yeah. So when we really started th- thinking about the material, you know, in the months leading up to the recording, trying to start getting the set list together, I had all these tunes, I had these 13 tunes and I was like, should we cut something? And Daryl was like, this collection hangs together just kind of by virtue of of your composing of, of how, mm-hmm. how you write and how kind of the tunes mm-hmm. fit together because of that. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't cut anything. We have sort of this whole, it's really sort of a journey, but um, yeah, I, I kind of thought about trying to string it together with a concept or something, but it ended up just kind of feeling like a complete story. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of how we crafted the, the order, the track order and and how the tunes kind of work with each other so yeah it just kind of all fell into place i guess once we started thinking about it it's interesting you say that i was uh i was checking out so whenever i you know kind of got in touch with your team and i was checking out some of the the work and i forget which one of the singles but it was one of the singles off game but i was actually i was listening to it while i was working and it was like a five or six minute long song um and i really enjoyed it because it reminded me a lot of this particular song. I'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head, but it reminded me a lot of kind of like freeform jazz in a way, uh, because it felt very, uh, here, I'll tell you the song. It was pull up golden. Uh, is that? Yeah. So it reminded me a lot of that in the sense that if you ever listen to or watch it, uh, you know, any kind of freeform jazz performance, it is very, at least to my eyes and my tune, it is very structured, but also there's a lot of kind of improv that happens. Uh, you know, you'll have maybe like three or four people playing different instruments and they'll be carrying some kind of song. And then one instrument will kind of come up forth and it will make it'll it'll start going on its own solo or kind of make its statement of the song. And to me, that's kind of what what, what captivated me, at least about that particular song is there was obviously a direction with it and there was obviously uh you know it was you and different people playing different instruments on the song but it seemed like at times there was little pockets of the song where one instrument would kind of jump out in front of all the other ones and it would me- kind of make its presence known and then another instrument would jump out in front of the other ones and make its presence known and it kind of to me it was this really cool experience of 
having different different voices, albeit through instruments, kind of come out and say their piece in different ways throughout the length of the song. And so I thought that was really cool. I don't know if you did that intentionally or not, but it was that was my experience with it and something that I really honestly enjoyed about that because I told you before this, like I, even though I live currently in Southeast United States, like I don't listen to, I haven't, haven't listened to a ton of like bluegrass music growing up, but I really enjoyed this kind of, uh, this way that you created it because it felt very calculated, but also very uh, loose and and kind of an expression of the self, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I think musicians can sometimes sort of overarrange things. And I, I tried to sort of stay away from that for, mm-hmm. for the making of the record. Um, pretty much as specific as we got was, you know, Mandolin plays the melody here, then fiddle plays it here, then the bass plays it here, you know, with stuff like that, just mm-hmm. kind of delegating melodies, who's kind of in in the lead for that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, just kind of having that in mind and playing and having the whole band there, you know, playing live, um, you know, it goes back to just hiring good listeners, you know, mm-hmm. um, hiring good listeners who, who will sit there and really be keyed into what's happening in the moment mm-hmm. and and depending on what's happening make changes you know play mm-hmm. play something different depending on what's going on around them um yeah and i remember golden actually we so so the band hadn't played these tunes mm-hmm. most of them um before the session we just kind of went in and and started take you know doing takes mm-hmm. um and there's definitely something to being a rehearsed band that's really tight and really kind of nails stuff every time. Mm-hmm. But there's also some magic in in just putting people in a room and and kind mm-hmm. of taking those first draft ideas or yeah. maybe second or third draft ideas. But yeah, um, but just you know thinking on your feet a little bit. Yeah, and, and going with that. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely some magic in that. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I was I forget what it was, but I read something maybe like a month or so ago, it was about, uh, it was about the Beatles whenever they were recording their last concert ever. It was like hmm. the the concert on top of the roof, you know, like what, like towards literally towards the end of their, uh, yeah, career. Yeah. And it was talking about some of the songs that they recorded and, uh, just kind of what made them what they were. And it was talking about how they would take so many different takes of us whenever they were recording a song, like up to a hundred different takes of a single song, because it didn't sound correct, you know, exactly every single time. And sure. obviously there's some, definitely some, some magic that can be found there. But at the same time, like you were saying, when you just get talented people in a room and give them some kind of outline, but just allow them to express themselves somewhat freely, there's also something that you can't really, it, it's not, it's kind of intangible, but it's something that's very special. And I think I honestly, I mean, I obviously I haven't heard at this time, haven't heard the whole album, but there's uh-huh. just a couple of singles out. But from what I've heard, like it's this really cool mix of calculated points where it's very like, we're going to, you know, go to step A and then step B and step C. But then there's these very freeform versions where different people will stand out in different ways. At least this is to my ears. Again, I am not some music aficionado, so I could just be like, you know, pulling the wrong things from it. But I thought it was really interesting and and a really uh, interesting take on this genre of music, in my opinion. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, definitely kind of a lot of different ideas happening. Um, But yeah, trying to get at that that spirit of, you know, what's... um, what's what's sort of the first instinct and what's what's kind of the thing that comes out first and and uh yeah you know taking those ideas that kind of get 
you know, you get thrown into something and, Oh, what, what do we play? Who, who play this? I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you said you, you know, started playing music at a very, a, a pretty young age. And I think it's interesting if you look at anybody who in any kind of creative field, you know, whether they've been doing it for just a couple months or they've been doing it for decades and decades, it's always interesting in my opinion, to kind of see where they started and what it was like for them, because, you know, kind of what we talked about towards the beginning, I think it can be very daunting to look at people who, you know, like in my case, if I look at someone who has another show and they just get hundreds, you know, thousands and thousands of downloads all the time. And I'm, I look at them, and I'm like, why, like, what is it about them that makes them special? And how can I apply that to my, to what I do? Mm-hmm. You know, for you, it may be looking at a huge popular artist and you're like, I, I know I'm as talented as these other people, but why is it that they've, they've reached this point and I may not have reached that point yet. Um, but I think that if you can, you know, looking at people that have, you know, quote unquote made it, if you kind of bring them down to when they started and looking at where they were when they began, it's a very interesting because I think that for a lot of people, there's a point, whether they're big or small, where they decide I'm going to do this thing. I currently I am this person and I do this job and I do this thing. But as of tomorrow or as of today, I'm going to pursue this endeavor and just see what happens, you know, uh, for whoever, whether it's a musical artist or any kind of any different kind of artist, it's saying I am going to be this person and I'm going to pursue this art wholeheartedly full steam ahead. Did you ever have a moment for you where you were like, I'm going to I've been doing these things before I created music. I'm going to take the leap of faith and I'm going to be a musician full time, fully, and I'm going to create art on a frequent basis. And this is going to be who I am. I'm going to take this leap of faith and see what happens. Did you ever have a moment like that for you? Yeah, I would say it kind of it's hard to point to one moment for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it happened kind of gradually, you know, throughout high school, I was starting to play more and more gigs Um, and definitely like getting into school and going to school for music was, was some kind of turning point it's that, that felt, even though in music degrees don't necessarily mean much, um, that still felt like a commitment to go and study and, and work really hard on, on craft. Um, and, and, you know, not, not to say that you shouldn't just work on, you shouldn't work on things that aren't going to make you money, but like, or or that you don't enjoy. Um, but, but if you are going to commit to going to school for four years, like that is, that's, that's a big thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was, that was noticeable. That was important. Um, but, you know, there are a couple camps that I went to. There's sort of this network of like summer camps for musicians across mm-hmm. the country and across the world. And I went to a bunch of those and, and those were really fun experiences because there were always some people my own age there, you know, in this music, there's a lot of older mm-hmm. people. Yeah. <laughs> Often we end up uh, playing with or for older crowds, mm-hmm. um, which is great. It's, it's really beautiful to be a part of like a multi-generational community like that. Mm-hmm. But it was also really inspiring to go to a camp that attracted people from all over the world and and be around people of my own age or a similar age at least that mm-hmm. that were really interested in the music and really good at it and that was really encouraging and and like a really cool moment to realize that like you weren't in a vacuum mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that as well it can be it can be reassuring when you find other individuals like you were saying that not only are doing what you are doing that are you know 
whether they're older than you or younger than you, like if you can find other individuals that are in a similar space like you, that can be very encouraging. For me, something that has allowed me to really kind of take this on more fully and has encouraged me to continue to do it, even if, uh, you know, even if I have days where I don't really want to do it, or maybe I'm not looking forward to it is the response that I get from other people. I've had so many different people come up to me and tell me that they've enjoyed different aspects of the show or they've enjoyed listening to this episode or hearing this conversation. And the fact that other individuals are getting as much enjoyment and as fun as I am out of this, that just encourages me so much to continue going because again, I don't know what the future looks like for me. Who knows what the future looks like for both of us, but it's very encouraging to have, at least for me, someone that is outside, that is unbiased, that has no skin in the game whatsoever. And to, even if in a small way, validate what it is that I'm doing. And I would imagine, you know, now that you're at the point where you're at, where you're coming up with your second album, like you've probably had people come up to you and tell you just the experience they've had with it. And I, I imagine that's a very encouraging experience for you. Totally. Yeah. It's always really great to hear from folks that where, where the music meant something, you know, mm-hmm. where, where somebody really found something in the music that, that meant something to them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really big when, when somebody, when somebody says something like that, it's, that is kind of the whole reason, you know, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's why we do this. Yeah. I was, uh, I was reading a little bit. So whenever I was kind of chatting with some people on your team, I was reading uh, a little bit about just some of your background getting to this point and, uh, kind of what you've been doing leading up to this. And you briefly mentioned you went to Berkeley and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, kind of the picture that I gathered from this is when you went to Berkeley, you learned a lot of different, uh, you learned about a lot of the technical aspects of music, of the creative process, what it's, you know, how to actually play the thing that you want to play and to do the thing that you want to do. But like you mentioned, uh, especially in music, even if you have a degree, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can create music that's going to resonate with people or you're going to create music that's successful and however you define that. But the thing that I gathered from it, and you can correct me if I'm totally wrong with this, but it seemed like as you progress through school and as you progress through Berkeley, while you were learning about the technical aspects of the process of creating music, there was also a side of you that seemed to want to uh, kind of grow freely beyond it and not just be limited to the confines of what the technicalities of of creating music is, but rather use those uh, foundations of creating music and apply it in your own way and in your own experience. And so is that is that a correct interpretation of everything? Or what was your experience like during that time of your life? Yeah, totally. I think that there's sort of two ways to make music, or there's many ways to make music, but kind of two base paradigms I see, at least from my perspective. One is is a very sort of technical perspective, which is kind of, um, you know, when people say music is like math, which I, which it is, not as much as people kind of make it out to be, that people mm-hmm. say that, kind of throw that around. Um, there's definitely elements of math and music, but, but, you know, the, the technical side is kind of, um, going in full bore on that and just kind mm-hmm. of saying that's sort of the way music works. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're playing music in that way, you're very focused on sort of the individual notes that are coming out of the instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've kind of been trying to do over, you know, <laughs> my entire life, I <laughs> guess, over the last 12 years um is to play music um in a way that 
in a way where you listen to sort of the entire sound that's happening to when you listen to the music that's happening um as opposed to having tunnel vision and kind of this subsector of of the music that's going on around you mm-hmm. um and that can be there's kind of different stages of that there's listening to like the sound of your instrument or there's listening to like how your instrument interacts with the room, how you, how your how you sound in the space that you're in, mm-hmm. or how your instrument interacts with your band, or how your band sounds as mm-hmm. a whole. Um, so there's kind of these different levels of listening that I think about, and I think there's value to kind of going back and forth. But I kind of feel like my best music is made when I'm listening to the sound of the entire band as opposed to one element. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, that's kind of, I've progressed towards that over, over the past and it, it most largely over the past, um, I kind of started thinking about the, these ideas, I guess, in, you know, maybe like six or seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, started thinking about trying to play music rather than notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that definitely makes sense. I think that a lot of times, and this isn't just to uh this isn't just confined to the creation of music or the creation of of you know traditional forms of art but uh if you get lost in the kind of technicalities of it all you can or you know as the as the saying goes uh you know you you what's the uh what's the saying you miss the forest for the trees uh you know oh, yeah, basically sure. like if you, i was like what's I'm, I'm getting the the saying kind of confused in my head but if you're if you're getting too down in the weeds uh, and you're getting too focused on the technicalities or the details of it all, you can kind of miss the bigger picture of what you were saying. And totally. um, I think that's a really cool thing because I know that that is while during this conversation, obviously we're talking about the creation of music, but that can be applied in so many different ways. Oh, it's totally. not just confined to oh, is you know, are you creating the music that you want to create? But that can be applied in virtually every aspect of life that I mean, I'm, you know, not going to rat them off right now, but I think it's very important to, uh, even if it means leaving in different imperfections, or even if it means yeah. going kind of going with the flow and, you know, kind of going off script sometimes, I think that focusing on the greater picture and the kind of bigger, what the overall goal of, of things is, is much better process to go for. For you, the goal may be to create a cohesive album that, uh, you know, you have a clear vision that you want to execute. And even if it's not exactly how you planned it to go, if you get to the end goal that you want to get to, then that's really what matters at the end of the day. Um, I think that's a really cool thing because it allow, at least in my mind, it allows me and it allows, you know, you as an individual to kind of be freed from the uh the kind of technicalities of it all to a degree obviously you still want to if in your case you want to create music that is good on paper and is good you know in in whatever uh, way you measure it but if you can kind of free yourself from that and allow you to freely create the things you want to create um then i think a lot of times we'll find we'll we will come out with a an outcome that we may not have expected but are definitely more happy with in the end at least in my opinion Totally. I mean, when you when you're an artist, I think in pretty much any medium, uh, maybe people have opinions on this, but to my understanding, when you if you're creating in any kind of way in any kind of medium, any kind of art form, there's there's the technical side of things, which in music is how to play, how to play the instrument, what mm-hmm. you play over what chords, you know, um, different technical aspects, and then there's the creative art there's the mm-hmm. there's a creative aspect the art aspect and mm-hmm. the, for any students out there of mine or anybody else's um 
you don't have to be good at equally good at both of them. You know, you can make the art while you're still working on your technique. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of took me a while to realize mm-hmm. yeah. that you can create art while you don't have everything completed together on the technical side. Mm-hmm. And they both kind of grow in tandem, you know, as yeah. you, as you're more creative, you create more things. Um, the technicality kind of grows along with that and vice versa mm-hmm. as your technicality grows kind of some of your capacities at the creative side continue to grow too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely like a muscle. The more you work it, yeah. uh, the better it is. And just because even if you're not great at it, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, I'm not even a year, necessarily a year into doing this and looking back on the beginnings of, you know, knowing what I knew then and kind of making the things that I made, like, I know a lot more now about the process, just the process of doing things and, and the creative side of, of what I do. And I think that if you, like you said, if you allow yourself to kind of make those mistakes and and allow yourself to be creative, even if you don't fully know what to do or don't fully know the technically correct thing or best technique uh, to utilize, I think that that is a, oftentimes is a much more true expression of the self. Um, for me, something I try to do as best I can in every interview and every conversation I have is to forget that it's an interview is just make it a conversation between two people. The last thing I want is for it to be like, you know, an episode of late night where it's just like, it feels like everything is off of a script and, uh, you know, everything is just being read off. Cause to me that can be entertaining in its own way, but I want to tap into the beauty of conversation, just a one-on-one conversation with two people about whatever it is they talk about. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I I succeed, but I think that in my case, in your case, and whoever's listening, whatever situation you find yourself in, even if you don't fully know what you're doing or don't fully know all the technically right things to do, just jumping into it, whatever it is that you do and kind of flexing your creative muscles, even if they're not, they're not that strong, is still a beautiful expression of who you are and what what it is that you want to create, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to ask you. So I think a lot of times when you look at individuals who, you know, whether they create music or whether they create art, whatever it is that we can look at them and, you know, you see different people and you can tell kind of what their inspirations are. For me, it's, uh, it it was funny. The first time I ever went to an actual art museum, which was not too long ago, uh, I went there with my then girlfriend and we went and I I just had such a great experience. I'd never been surrounded by that much art all at the same time. And I left feeling extremely inspired because I, not that I'm a painter, like there was a lot of paintings, a lot of, you know, different sculptures and models and stuff. And I don't make any of that. Like I've, I've tried it before and it's not for me, but I felt very inspired because it was such an interesting experience seeing so many different forms of creative expression all in one place. And I felt very inspired. Like after that, I was like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do these things. Like I felt like I I felt kind of juiced up and ready to do the next thing that I wanted to do. And so for you, do you have any forms of art or just anything in your life in general that allows you to tap into that side of yourself, that creative side that uh, is there anything in particular that, you know, inspires you to kind of keep going and doing the things and creating the music that you want to create? Yeah. Totally. Um, I think, you know, some of the stuff we touched on, like connecting to an audience, really connecting on a personal level with, with um, somebody who enjoys the music is always really inspiring and, and feels like a reason to make the next album or write the next tune or whatever it is. 
Um, but outside of sort of directly music related things, I, I do really love being outdoors. I like to hike. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to fly fish and, and something about fly fishing is that um, it's very rhythmic. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're always sort of making these motions um, in sort of measured equal ways, mm-hmm. um, which is really, you know, rhythmic in a sense that it connects with the music um, in that you're, you're doing something in time, mm-hmm. um, but also rhythmic and meditative in a lot of ways, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're creating, you're making these motions over and over and over again. Um, and that can sometimes really put you in a space where you're, you know, where it's just sort of an open, you know, open mind, just reflecting on, mm-hmm. on, you know, again, the subconscious stuff, just whatever you're thinking about kind of getting turned over in your mm-hmm. head. Um, yeah, that's really inspiring to me. Um, and then conversations like this, like just getting to talk to other creatives mm-hmm. has, is always, is always really, really fun for me. Just bouncing ideas off people. Um, and conversations like this, where it's sort of cross-discipline is really great too. Yeah. Um, great to talk shop with musicians who really speak the same language, but there's so much going back to the technicality versus creativity thing on sort of just the raw creativity side, no reason to restrict yourself to musicians, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, pull from as many different wells as possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And also uh, something about you refer, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you refer to this conversation you referring to me as a creative made me feel very happy. It made me, made me smile on the inside. So never, never officially been called a creative quote unquote. So I feel very, I feel very special now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, making, making anything and putting it out into the world counts in my book. Yeah. No, I agree. Definitely. I love it. Um, well, Ethan, man, I, I want to say, first off, just thank you for taking some time out of your day, uh, getting to, ch- you know, being willing to chat with me. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. And, you know, I know that you could have been doing a lot of things right now. And I know that this, you know, you will probably do different interviews in the in the future, especially with your album coming out soon. But it really means a lot that you took some time to chat with me today. So I greatly appreciate that. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Before we finish, uh, there's a one kind of ending segment that I like to end each episode off with as a kind of fun way to just finish the episode. Uh, we've been talking a lot about just your new album and music and just your creative process coming up. But I want to finish the show on a little bit of a different note with a segment that I like to call 15 quick questions. So I have 15 uh, questions for you. These are kind of A or B, this or that questions. And I just want to see uh, your answer, your response off the top of your head and see what your where your headspace is at right now and see what you think. Does that sound good with you? I love it. Yeah, let's All go. Right, let's do it. This is 15 quick questions with Ethan. Question number one. Would you rather have a beach vacation or a mountain vacation? Mountain. All right. Do you prefer hot coffee or iced coffee? Or if you don't like coffee, you can substitute tea. Hot coffee. I agree. I think I hot coffee, like coffee is I will I will drink hot coffee in the middle of the summer. It's something something about it is just is great to me. Also, I agree with the beach vac- or mountain vacation. I enjoy it's mountains good. as well. Mountains are great. Um, which season do you prefer? Summer, fall, winter, or spring? Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, I think I would say fall. Nice. I love the fall and the, towards the end of the year. Uh, sweet or savory food? Savory. Uh, are Crocs fashionable? Yes or no? <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> do you a uh, follow up question? Do you own any pairs of Crocs? Are you I willing to? 
Okay. Well, I, I, I talked to, I talked to somebody one time and they were talking about a, a pair of camo Crocs that they had. And I just thought that was funny. When, cool. uh, didn't know if you had any camouflage Crocs, <laughs> um, pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? No. Oh, God, I love pineapple on pizza, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, sunrise or sunset, which do you prefer? Oh, that's a good one. I, that's a hard one. I'm going to say sunrise. I agree. I love sunrises. Um, guacamole or salsa? Guacamole. All right. The age-old question, Michael Jackson or Prince? Mm. Prince. Nice. Uh, also, fantastic performance. Great. Great one. Uh, crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. When you, if, if you, I don't know if you eat wings at all, but do you prefer flats or drums? Um, yeah, that's hard. I do like wings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's drums. Nice. I think, I think drums are more fun because just kind of like a lollipop in a kind of in a way, you know, I think, I think they're just more fun to eat. Yeah. I feel like they're easier to eat. <laughs> yeah. Kind of my reasoning there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Four more questions here. Who in your mind wins in a dance battle, the rock or Kevin Hart? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. The rock. Which decade do you prefer the seventies, eighties or nineties? Seventies of the kind of four final uh, holidays in the year, which do you prefer Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or new year's? Mm, I like new year's. I like new year's as well. And finally, the final question, I ask everybody the same last question. So I want to hear your answer and kind of your rationale, your thought process with it. Would you rather fight a hundred duck sized horses or one horse sized (laughs) duck? Yeah. Classic. The Um, classic question. Let's see here. I think it would be the horse-sized duck. So what's your what's your what's your line of thinking there with that? Well, with a hundred duck-sized horses, it just feels like you could get overwhelmed really easily <laughs> just with the sheer volume of of creatures. Yeah. Um, with a horse-sized duck, it seems like you could. That would be pretty. That would be, that would be hard though. <laughs> I don't know what I would do, but but yeah, my gut is that a, a horse-sized duck. Well, the good news is. I seriously doubt you're ever going to encounter either one of those situations. You don't have to worry too much about it. Uh, Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, that was uh, 15 quick questions. I appreciate you playing along with it. Um, Before we finish up, I know you've got your new album coming out. And so whether this goes out, I'm going to definitely have this out either the the Monday before the Monday afterwards, but I will have a link down in the description for that. So if you're listening, uh, definitely check it out. I've listened to a couple singles so far and I'm really looking forward to checking it out. So I'll make sure that link is in the description of today's episode. Do you have any other links or social links or anything that you'd like to share with anybody listening? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, all that kind of stuff. I have a mailing list. Um, you can head over to my website to sign up for that. It's kind of down at the bottom. Um, and yeah, hope hope to see you out of the show and hope everyone enjoys the record. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure those are those links and uh, everything is in the description. So if you're listening and want to check those out, I highly recommend it. Uh, I've really, like I said, I've really enjoyed listening to the new album so far, and I'm excited to hear what you got coming up here in just a few weeks. But if there's anything else, uh, Ethan, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me tonight. It's been a, been a pleasure. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been yeah. super, super fun.
Of course, man. Of course. Um, and to everyone listening out there, thank you again, as always, for tuning into today's episode. Uh, obviously, I greatly appreciate it and hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Uh, be sure to check out the links in the description. If you'd like to contact me or the show, there'll be links on there for that. Uh, yeah, but with all that being said, I appreciate you all, as always, for listening to and supporting the show, and I'll catch you all on another episode. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. As one final reminder, if you'd like to support the show, then don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to check out any links that were mentioned during the show or follow the show or myself on social media, then feel free to head to the description of today's episode to find these links. As always, thank you again for checking out today's episode. and I really hope you enjoyed it. I'll catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. See ya.